If I told you I had a story needing to be heard, would you tell it? Better yet, if you knew your story could help someone else, would you share it? Today, my guest is Frank Sanderson, and he is going to talk about the journey of his son, Zach. And, well, I'll let him explain exactly the story and the legacy of his son, Zach. Hi, I'm Christine Hotchkiss, and I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprint, that puts us on the path. Some call it purpose. I believe every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and of course, my one word, give hope. Hey, Frank, how are you? I'm good. So we're going to talk about Zach, and Zach's story, not yours, you were in the journey of Zach's story, is um, a drug that most everyone is very familiar with, and that is fentanyl. Um, Tell us a little bit about Zach. Um, well, Zach was, uh, he was my mini me. Uh, he was wonderful, uh, energetic, beautiful kid, just like, uh, you, you would hope for. And, 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 uh, um, very musical, very talented, um, uh, great personality. Uh, but, but, uh, when his mother and I got divorced, he, uh, he was 15 and and uh it, it it started him he became very angry he wasn't happy he was angry mm-hmm. and uh and the the people in his life um that were around him that were in drugs were more than willing to welcome him right into their circle mm-hmm. and uh that was how it all started for zach uh, it's a it's vicious just, circle when it comes to drugs yeah um, so he was just a teenager, and as we all know, when we're growing up, we think we know everything. Our parents know nothing. I can do better. But then, like you said, when we have things that happen in our home, which all of our stuff stem, stems from our childhood somewhere, there comes a time where um, we feel like we're, we're not able to actually help our kids and not even know that they're needing our help. So he got pulled in this circle. How did this um, how did this begin? Did it start out as a f- as fentanyl? Did it start at something else, and it just went to that? No, we. Uh, well, I had custody uh, of of the kids. There was three teenagers and, and myself, and we were in a big farmhouse, two hours south of Chicago, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I worked in Chicago and drove every day, and so they had plenty of time unattended as teenagers <laughs> and and uh so you know you know that your kids getting into some trouble and you see things uh you see the changes i knew there was some drinking um you try to to not be overreactive mm-hmm. but uh uh I, you know i was in denial i didn't want to believe that that he would get tangled up in in with uh that crowd right and then i started hearing more and more and i started seeing more radical behavior and and by that time, it was just, uh, you know, it, it already had its, its, its hooks in them. And, and heroin, uh, which is how they start, you know, they start snorting and, and then they start shooting. And, and uh, um, it just, uh, it, once they start, it, it's, 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 it's so almost impossible to get away from it. It's a terrible drug. I have not experienced it. I have seen it around me with other parents. Unfortunately, I have other parents I did um, that have lost their children I there's a couple of them that they're still trying to help them and um, one I know one lady actually young lady actually um, she got away from it got back in it got away from it for a final I think because she now has a family of her own and 
um, it, it seems like it's such a tough thing for someone to, to get away from. I, I don't know if it's the drug or if it's also the mindset, like you said, when there's other things going on at home or they think is going on in their lives that they just feel that they stick with that, that makes them feel better for the moment. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, how old was Zach when he passed away? He was almost 30. He was 29. He passed away a couple of months before he would have turned 30. So it was February 4th, a little over two years ago. So at 15 to to that to 30, then he yeah. dealt with this a lot of years. Yeah, 15 years of uh, in and out of uh, uh, being incarcerated. Um, I mean, just countless small crimes and, and uh, then getting caught with the drugs and, and uh, you know... <clears throat> You, you try the uh, the rehabs and and the drug counseling and and uh, you know you made a comment about you, you you had never really had any firsthand experience with somebody that, that was uh, hooked on heroin and Zach had told me I, I know that he wanted to be clean mm -hmm. but he had told me that that even this last time that he was in prison he was in for four years he was clean wow. Um, he said he could smell it in his sleep. He would dream uh, and he could smell it. That's how it, it, it it's so ingrained into your system. And uh, it stays in your fat uh, tissues and cells, I guess. Uh, I, I think he was told by a counselor for a very long time, even if you're clean. And uh, it's, um, uh, it's just a very, very, very difficult thing to get away from. And, and he got caught up in an epidemic in farm country to our South Chicago, you know, you had uh, I-55 as the the interstate going up to Chicago and, and the local kids just make runs up up to Chicago and bring it back. And it's it's a terrible thing. You know, they, they ruin their own lives and then they destroy their friends also. And, and it really has no no. Um, uh, it doesn't matter if you're from a rich family, a poor family, if you're an athlete, uh, if you're, you know, uh, just a, a nerd, it, it seems to take in. Uh, it's just they're waiting for for a kid with the right mindset, you know, the wrong mindset, I should say, mm -hmm. at the wrong time. And it, and all they do is let down their guard and and, and they're hooked. And we've seen many, many, uh, many young people lost their lives in, in that community. You know, I've um, been to Chicago. And when you talk about it, for anyone who's not been to Chicago, we think of it as a big city with a lot of, you know, tall buildings and craziness. Um, but I have been to Chicago, and I did explore the outsides of Chicago, like you said, the I-55, where there is farmland. I was really surprised. Sure, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, but it sounds like it's also just like you said, anywhere that you yeah, were to it's live. Pre it's pretty much, uh, you know, if you leave downtown Chicago, you can basically drive, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, still be in, in a metro mm -hmm. uh, setting, mm -hmm. and then you start getting out in, into more rural areas, and... and uh, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I intentionally never moved my children to, to the city because we didn't want to get them in, in a bad area, a bad school, a bad you know into the drug, to uh, into the drug culture, and and we never dreamed that it was going to explode like it did in little farm towns uh, all around the you know the Midwest. It's it's terrible. So. You made a point about we'll call it a stigma when you said, and you hear uh, a lot of parents say, well, I don't want to be in the big city because I don't want this to happen to my kid. And here you just proved that it didn't matter what lifestyle you had lived or where you lived, that drug was still around and it was going to find its way or a child or, or an adult even. There are adults that get hooked on this too. If it's there, it's there. Um, it's a, exactly, yeah. So 
and you don't have to answer this if it gets too personal. So did he go to prison because he got caught with while he was um, on these drugs? And it, it yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. It's uh, uh, three times I think uh, it was drug possession. I turned him in once to his to his uh, parole officer. Uh, he was living with me, and um, he'd he'd been out of prison. He paroled out with me, and the rule was no drugs. You know, and and uh, uh, I knew that that he had. I just knew. I knew that that, that he was back into the drugs, and and uh, uh, I called his parole officer. I, I figured I would rather see him incarcerated than dead. So you were doing and, this out of the love. Uh, so, so they the, the the third time that they got him, I, I turned him into his parole officer because I loved him, and uh, you know it's that was a, that was a hard that was a hard thing to do. Is that where we would say tough love? Yeah, I think I've tried every kind of love. You know, you go through um, w- when you live through this w- with with your child, um, uh, you, you want so badly to rescue them. Mm-hmm. Or to find that that uh, that group, that person, the magic words, whatever it is, you try tough love, gentle love, intermediate love. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, it it uh, countless thousands of dollars, and and uh, um, you know, only I, I I think the the people that are addicts don't realize um, not only are they torturing themselves with their addiction, but they torture everyone that loves them. And, and I lived for 15 years with the fear, knowing that, that any phone call could, could be the one that, you know, saying I, I uh, lost my son. And, uh, so it, uh, I always knew that that phone call could come, but, uh, he wasn't the last time he was incarcerated. He, I think he was desperate. Um, and I, I was wrong. That's so the second time he went to prison. I turned him in the third time. Um, I'm sorry. No, the, the, the final time that, that, uh, that he went to prison, uh, uh, he, he was very strung out on drugs and, 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 uh, I think he knew that he was going to die if he didn't do something. He, he committed an armed robbery with a, with a knife and, uh, was easy to catch. And, and was incarcerated for four years of an eight year sentence and, uh, did a fantastic job of recovery. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, once he got out, it was, um, it just took one bad moment of, of stress, and and uh, uh, he he relapsed, and and that was it. Which which happens to so many heroin heroin addicts. Uh, um, they either do too, they go back to doing what they did before, mm-hmm. and and they've been clean for a long time, and it kills them. Or everything's laced with fentanyl now, and, and that's what happened to my son. So uh, um, you know, I don't think my son suffered, but but uh, it was just. It was so tragic because he has children, little children, and and uh, he had a wonderful fiance, and and uh, it was just a terrible, a very shocking ending because he had been doing so good, and uh, to lose him like that, that did catch me off guard. Even though I always knew it was a chance, so it's uh, well, yeah. there's no easy way to lose your child. No, absolutely not. You and I've already talked before with my story. Uh, mine was not. Losing my child had nothing to do with a drug. Mine had to do with being in an auto accident with my uh, family that is now broken up. Uh, but it And she was 17. Whether your your child is two days old, 17 years old, 30 years old, we're all children of, of, of someone that the loss sure. of, a, of a loved one is difficult. A child is, is hard, too. Um, so your son had been incarcerated a few different times. She said the last time was something he did because he felt he needed to do it or otherwise he was... Probably he was reaching out for help, is what it sounded like. Um, I think, yeah, I think he knew that he was he was he was very close to 
he had overdosed before, mm-hmm. um, but but I knew he was so strung out that, and I think he did too. Did that, he? That if he didn't do something that forced him to be clean, it was going to kill him. Did he ever talk to you about how this made him feel that he kept going to the same? Um, I don't want to say routine of getting in trouble, but did he talk to you about how how he was feeling that these drugs were making him feel, or what he was not wanting to be a part of? I, you know, it was always, I think, you know, you always hear, um, you have those conversations and they have the best intentions. I'm never going to do this again. You know, I don't want to go back to that again, but I saw it, I saw it three different times. Um, you know, he would, he would come out of prison, you know, uh, and be clean. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time it was for a little bit over a year Mm -hmm. and, uh, he'd come out, he'd be clean. and, And I kid you not, it would be days and he'd right be i i knew he would be jumping right back into it same crowd uh you know and and it, it was just it was just too much uh you know he the only time he ever really got free was was when he was in for four years and we had some great conversations i always visited him he was in every prison in illinois i think mm-hmm. and i would uh uh i would every other weekend or or once a month try you know just as much as i could i would i would try to go and and visit and uh um and we would talk and phone conversations and and uh i have regrets that i didn't write more letters um mm-hmm. i think that's that's one thing i would suggest to anybody it's it's uh we're not a letter culture anymore no I wish I had written more letters. I've saved every letter he sent me from prison. Oh, wow. Um, but I had many phone conversations with him and supplied his commissary endlessly <laughs> with money. But um, those letters, I think, is something that they can look at and and know that you, you took the time and effort to write that letter, even though they know that it, it takes a lot of effort to spend hours driving all over the state of Illinois to go to, you know, to <laughs> different correctional facilities to visit. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd written more letters. But you know what? I hear you still made that effort that he knew you were there, regardless of what he where he was at. You made that effort to know that you you were there. You he didn't have a letter to reread that you're thinking in your mind. Probably if he kept reading it, he probably would have been uh, more helped. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. You always want those words. You know, yep. it's it's like you know, God help me have the right words. Yes. You know, I mean, you don't want it to be. <sighs> so you know, it's. It, it's as, 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 as crazy as it sounds, even though it's your own flesh and blood and your own kid, it, it, it's when you when you've lived that for all those years, it's it's like, what it's do tough. I say? You know, right. so I don't sound like I'm preaching. So I don't so right. I don't sound like I'm being condescending so that I'm not sounding negative. You know, I want to be positive. There's all those things that run through your head. It's it's yeah. uh, it's, okay. it's it's a hard they're hard letters to write. No, no, I completely understand that. And, and even on a good day, sometimes we don't always have the right things to say. Um, did. And I don't know this, and maybe you do or do not know this. Is there is there any rehab that's in um, in the prison systems when they know that someone has come in there for this particular situation, where they can it's get terrib- that help? It's a terrible. The D- Department of Corrections. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that 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 are in you know that work in Department of Corrections that are they've got a terribly tough job. I don't envy those people. Whatever. I've got mm-hmm. family members that have been in Department of Corrections. Going back to my grandfather, uh, it's a very, very, very tough job. Mm. Uh, the the drug rehab, the best one that he was involved in. There's a, a Sheridan is uh, uh, out in the country, um, west of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was the last facility that he was in for probably six, 
six months uh, before he was released, six, seven months, and he was very active in their drug uh, program, and he'd done a good job, and he'd even talked about becoming, maybe he would become a drug counselor someday. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very impressed. He did, um, because of the drugs, uh, he had contracted uh, hepatitis mm-hmm. uh, sometime during the years, and uh, he was so anti-drug that the state was monitoring him because they wouldn't give him medication. Uh, he was so anti-drug that he had a liver biopsy done with no pain medication whatsoever. That's how <gasps> wow. uh, determined he was to not do drugs. He wouldn't take aspirin. He wouldn't take anything, and uh, uh, um, which was just made the shock of it all so much more. You know, when I did lose him because he'd been so strong for those four years and done so good and been so active and. And he, he was in phenomenal shape. I mean, he, you know, from exercising and, and diet, he'd learned so much. And, and uh, um, so it. Uh, so since you're on this journey with with Zach and for any of our listeners who have not been around someone who um, they know that someone is actually under the influence of these drugs. Is there something that could give an indication that might be helpful right away? Radical change of behavior. Um you know, uh, you know, if if they're dozing off, sitting in front of you, they call it nodding out. You know, um, uh, you, you, <laughs> um, if they're throwing up, you know, it's it's a, it's an interesting drug. These they, they do it to get high, and then they'll throw up and and they fall asleep. You know, they nod out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you'll see things also. You'd be missing things uh, if you're missing spoons. Mm-hmm. Um, spoons disappear so they can cook the, mm-hmm. the heroin, you know, so that they can they can shoot it up. Um, valuables, if you're missing valuables, they'll sell anything. My son was a phenomenal musician. And, um, uh, you know, I, I had instruments that that were pawned through the years and, oh. and everything else. And, and uh, To support the habit. It's just this terrible thing. They hate, they hate that they, they go through that, mm-hmm. but they do it. And uh, I think that's some of the most common indicators that, that somebody's really got a, uh, you know, that drug's got a hold of them. Well, we don't want to say Zach was a bad person by no means. He sounds like he was a phenomenal individual. Something got a hold of him that he was trying to get a hold of, and it got a hold of him. Um, here's something that I'm, I just thought of. I don't typically ask this, but if Zach was sitting here right now knowing that this was the last chance you were going to get to talk to him and you know he was going to die regardless, what would you say to him? Well, that that's an interesting question. I had a hard time with it, but um, well, <laughs> because I, we I always, had that chance and, and I missed it. Um, that's the way I ask because so we always think we can say something. We, we talked a little bit about that briefly, but but when I lost Zach, I was headed back from Florida, and uh, um, he'd got into a, a big fight with his fiance, and uh, he had called me, and it was because he'd gone out drinking. Uh, and uh, as soon as he got off of, when you come out of prison, you're on house arrest for a while. As soon as he got off of house arrest, he went drinking with a friend and his fiance was mad at him. And I sided with her and mm-hmm. I was upset with him. And uh, I didn't go to him right away. I was hours away, but, uh, and I was traveling back and I was tired. And, um, and, I, and I didn't go right to him because he was mad at me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me one more time and, and he got mad at me and, and yelled at me and, and hung up on me and uh so uh that was on a thursday night the friday morning um he he sent me a terrible text and uh um 
you know, he, he, I won't even repeat it verbatim, no, no, but it was basically, you know, F you, mm-hmm. um, you know, you treat me like I'm a, uh, a commodity, you know, if I don't do what you want me to do, um, you know, then, then I'm a terrible person and, and, uh, you know, I never want to see you again. And, um, uh, he, he did say thank you for all your, your, your the financial support while I was in prison, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I never want to see you again. And, uh, and that was a text that he sent to me. And uh, I could have called, I could have texted back, but like so many times before, I didn't respond because I didn't want to get into a war of words with him. I mm-hmm. thought, I'm going to let this calm down and then I'm going to explain again why I feel the way I do. Mm-hmm. So if I could do that moment over again, um, you know, uh, 24 hours later, my son was dead. Right. Um, I would, uh, you know, I would have called, I would have sent that text saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming to you. Let's sit down. Let's talk. You know, I love you. I don't agree with what you're doing, but, but let's sit down and talk. And so if I could do it all over again, that would be the conversation I would have instead of not responding. Thank you for saying that. And I only felt to say that because there's a lot of times where we say we wish we could have said, but didn't get the chance. Um, and that's why I said, regardless, I think our num- our days are numbered. I'm a believer that our days are numbered. Um, and it's not that they're bad, things happen to us in our lives. But to be able to know that you would have been able to say that, it's almost like when you told, when he told you what his, resp- what his reply was as far as not seeing you and Maybe part of him was feeling that there's some sort of shame, too, but he also acknowledged that Zach that you know, being your son, the proud son that you know so well, was also saying, thank you, Dad, and I do love you, but I'm also angry, and I think that was the other part of the drugs talking. So I don't think so much that it was you. I think it was more the fact that he already probably knew what he was doing in that state of mind, because you mentioned 24 hours later he was he was gone. So yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the sad part about that was was he had been drinking and everybody involved was sure that he had he had done drugs again. Mm-hmm. After he sent me that text, Christine, mm-hmm. his his girlfriend took him for a drug test and he tested clean. And then and then he was mad, so she dropped him off at a hotel and, and everybody knew that he was clean. And and the heartbreak of the whole thing is is his girlfriend fiance was mm-hmm. gonna go back and pick him up the next morning. Uh, they talked on the phone mm-hmm. and and that saturday morning then early his uh his would his fiance's mom called me and and he had been staying with his fiance and her mother she called me and she was upset and she said frank i want i want um i want her to bring zach home you know he's that he's gotten to a fight with with amanda but but uh you know he's a good kid and 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 we love him and the kids mm-hmm. love him and, and we want him here and and uh uh this was about six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and uh so uh you know the wheels were turning you know everybody knew that he hadn't been doing drugs he'd only been drinking but we'd all just assumed the worst because he was acting so so angry again mm-hmm. and uh and then you know i get a phone call at, at 11 o'clock about noon that they found him in, in the hotel dead uh, when they went to, to check his room. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think the anger of everybody just assuming that, that the worst case, he'd done the worst case thing that, that, uh, that it, 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 it was just too much. And, and he fell right back into it, mm-hmm. uh, and in a terrible neighborhood in Chicago and in, in Cicero. 
um, cheap hotel and, and uh, lots of drugs and and there's probably overdoses on a weekly basis there according to the police so uh, um, you know it's it was uh, so, so one thing that anybody that has lived through when you live through something like that for 15 years or however many years it is and it wears you down mm-hmm. you you automatically start to assume the worst um, when you see erratic behavior mm-hmm. and because you've seen it so many times and I was just wrong and and I never I didn't make the phone call to him and and uh, and I assumed uh, you know the worst mm-hmm. and and uh, I'll always live with that so well if it does help you at all um, Zach's a, is a good good kid it's the drug that took him it wasn't exactly. Zach so yeah. um, always remember him in all the memories that you were given through those years that you had because that's how you honor him and that will help you with your memory of him and your heart from day to day and now I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt because it does hurt but when we remember the good things and puts that smile on our face and in our heart um, I think that's the best way to remember our loved one even when we had no control so thank you for sharing your story with Zach the one last question I like to ask is what message would you like to leave our listeners based on Zach's story or your journey with Zach or just about life in general? I, um, we had faith in our family and uh, if it wasn't for faith, um, this would be much harder for me. It's, it's a terrible thing for anybody to go through. It's terrible for me. Mm-hmm. It's terrible for our family, but I have faith in God. I believe I'll see my son again. But uh, as a parent, I wish I'd tried harder and uh, you never get to go back and do that over again. And, and so just from the, the try harder standpoint, I would have prayed for my son more. It's easy to talk. It's easy to, to want to, to talk people into being good. But I think the, the best thing you can do for your child is be on your knees. And uh, I understand that. And there are no discredit to people who don't have a faith, because as you know and I know, there are people that don't believe in God. But as I've said to anybody else, at least believe in something and um, always have at least hope if you don't have faith. I'm, a, I'm very strong in my faith as well. Some people find it when tragedy has hit them. Some people had it all along and it's been tested, <laughs> as you've mentioned. But any of our listeners, if they don't believe in God, that's fine. Believe in something and find some hope in the journey in which you're traveling, whatever it may be. So thank you, Frank, for sharing your story about your wonderful son and talented musician, Zach. Thank you. Yes. Again, thank you, Frank, for being my guest to share your story, to help, to heal, to inspire, to educate, and to give hope. And to my listeners, I thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you are notified about the next great story because these truly are real stories and they keep getting better and better because they are our real lives unedited if you'd like to share your story you know someone who wants to share their story or you want to be anonymous you don't have to have your name attached to share your story to help someone else or even to help and heal yourself please feel free to email me to the address of christine with a ch at storiesofhope.com and that's stories with a y and if you'd like to be a sponsor again email me to the address of christine at storiesofhope.com. And until next time, everyone, I wish you well, and do take care.